Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I'm always in search of the top distinctions, top mindsets, from people that are making an impact and an influence and living life according to the four freedoms, time, financial, location, health. And so in that light, our conversation today is going to be all about conscious leadership, being intentional, showing up, how you show up, being very cognizant of your vibe and how you uh, show up and present yourself to the world. So today I have Nicole Bilal, and she's going to talk about these concepts in the corporate work organizational setting. So, and I'll let her introduce herself. Uh, Nicole, welcome. Thank you so much, Christopher. It's great to be here. Um, we had connected through Podmatch. Tell us more about your backstory. I'm always interested and, um, and uh, we'll go from there, what you do. Beautiful. So I was sort of born an entrepreneur, I think. I was born to, to break the mold and to ask questions and be curious about the different systems or the different norms that our society has. So I've always been questioning that. Um, but I found myself right out of college in a nine to five at Harvard University of all places, where I was working at a small research center that looked at the connection between human health and the health of our environment. And this idea that they are inextricably connected. You can't you can't decouple them. Our health depends on the health of the planet in so many ways. And that seed really set a mindset for me in the in the decade to come. And so these days I still do a lot of executive education, working with sustainability executives from all around the world. I still hold that affiliation with Harvard even though it's all remote now, so I can work from anywhere around the world. So the director of leadership capacity, uh, uh, Leaders on Purpose, which works with Fortune 100 CEOs to study purpose-driven leadership. And then when I'm not in those two roles, because those are two really big annual contracts, this is part of how I live a very seasonal lifestyle where I have busy seasons and seasons of rest, and that's all by design. Um, but in my more creative seasons, when I'm working on my my own content, I have a nonprofit called Living Leaders that I run, and I put out a lot of content on conscious leadership, cycle syncing, and how to scale your company 
without burning out through different regenerative or nature inspire, inspired business models and operational design. So it's all sort of connected, but I do hold a few affiliations. And again, that's really by design. Really interesting. And I love this concept of um, by design, intentionality, consciousness. So, you know, there's a lot of directions we can take the conversation, but one is uh, just all time cynicism, lack of trust in leaders, you know, this politics, all of this. Um, so tell us how you, your concepts can help improve the consciousness of the landscape. I love this question. I feel like leadership even 10 years ago was a template that people were learning to try on. It was, it's almost like putting on an outfit, putting on the suit. And then when you're in that suit, you're expected to run your company a certain way, leave your emotions at the door, put your personal relationships last and really sacrifice your health for the corporate definition of success or whatever it might be. And in the last 10 years, I've seen this, this big shift towards authenticity and integrity, where the leaders who are attracting and keeping the top talent on the planet are the ones who are leading from their personal value system. And they're so aligned internally. They're so transparent in how they make their decisions, in how they show up in the world. And people can feel that. I really, really believe that people can feel when someone is aligned internally or whether they're putting on a facade or a mask. So leadership has been, we've taken the mask off. The, the whole human is now invited to show up and that's inviting others to do the same and to operate from their values and, and get clear about what's important to them so that they can design lives that that really work for them and, and meet these. I love the four types of freedom that you talk about on this podcast. I think leaders today are helping their employees to achieve their version of success and their version of these different types of freedom in ways that we we haven't seen in ways that were not possible even 10 years ago yeah i really i really love that and um whether so you know a lot of gen z millennials they're going out on their own they're creating their own companies creating their own businesses they don't want to work for companies anymore and um you know whether you use this in the traditional setting or the new setting is quite fascinating because all these concepts you know leadership is not just confined to an organization one thing that i have a question about is that um so this idea of the audience uh, whether you're on video or audio can sense your vibe what do you call your vibe and um do you ever get frustrated or you know when an angry client or you know like a energy leech you know how do you deal with these for especially as a leader you know you're constantly bombarded you know, have to make all these decisions tell us how you do that totally i i think at our core leaders are energy managers whether we realize that consciously or not and how you manage your energy I think it boils down to a couple different things. So one is boundaries. And as simple as that sounds, protecting our energy and relying on our body wisdom or our intuition to tell us when we're a yes and when we're a no to something, and then actually taking the action to follow that intuitive knowing. This, this is so key so that you get less of that leeching that you're talking about and less of 
the entitlement that people might feel on your time, on your energy, on taking up space in your life, you get to be the sovereign being and the one with the personal agency to make those choices. So boundaries is a big part of it. But then I also think when it comes to managing your energetic signature of, of your leadership or your leadership DNA, if you will, you can get into some really interesting territory when you you realize that you can cultivate energy through things like a morning practice or how mm. you rest, integrate, digest information throughout the day. Gone are the days we we wear busyness as a badge of honor. I think these days it's it's about leading in cycles, like going in and having that meeting, holding that board meeting, making the investor pitch, whatever it is, but then giving ourselves time to integrate. You can design your day in such a way that the energetics don't get as jammed and you're not dealing with the noise that that can be so distracting and take up so much space in the mind. So being really clear about what you allow in mm -hmm. and how you process it. We do have agency over that. And I see, I see a lot of the more successful leaders today really practicing their self-leadership practice in, in this way of what are my routines? How am I integrating or processing information? We are computers in a way, but we're also sentient biological beings. So we do have to rest and digest in order to process all of the information that, that we're taking in and I think being mindful of the information that we actually bring into our system is, is also a big piece of this too. Uh, I've, you know, one thing studying really successful leaders in is that they wake up really early use and then have this morning routine that you described and all of them start with some, you know, physical or some, you know, contemplative practice. Um, and so you were a, you know, what I love is you take a lot of incorporation. So you are a Reiki master teacher and explain to the audience how it made you a better executive and how spiritual practices, you know, whether it's yoga or other meditation, how that can make you a better leader. Oh, I already feel myself geeking out on this question. <laughs> Being a Reiki master has hands down been one of the top things that has made me a more mindful and conscious leader. Not only has it raised my intuition and my ability to sense make or sense into the different feedback loops, both verbal and nonverbal in a room, whether it's, you know, again, with investors or with board members or customers, whatever it is, I feel like the the information and the energy that I'm able to pick up on is really dialed. It's it's vaster than it would be without the experience that I've had as a Reiki master. But the other the other piece here, and I, I feel really strongly about this these days, is that as leaders, we we also are sitting at the helm of a collective nervous system in our teams. If we show up with a nervous system that is in fight or flight, and we are in this state of hyper reactivity and putting out fires and everything is urgent, like that becomes the bedrock of our cultural patterns in a team culture. And this ripples into the collective nervous system of the team. And now you've got a whole team putting out fires and engaging in these unhealthy patterns and that impacts their health, it impacts their relationships, really every every facet of their whole humanness. So through something like Reiki, where I'm able to manage my stress, clear the blockages or the noise, 
and really tend myself, like tending my inner children or tending the one in me who is afraid to get on that stage or do that next big thing. Reiki has helped me to calm my nervous system, connect with myself, Mm -hmm. create space to be a leader, to even be able to notice the subtleties of the energetics in my team. And then if I can show up in a regulated nervous system, I'm leading the collective nervous system of the team. And now we have clear cognitive function. Now we can stay connected to our vision and our purpose and not get distracted by the noise and and the chaos. And and we can maintain access to our long-term thinking brain rather than being stuck in the short-term survival mode. And this is so, so important, especially in the, in the spaces where I work, like sustainability, where losing access to that long-term view, it's, it's harmful to humanity, it's harmful to the planet. So I, I really see this, this act of regulating and co-regulating our nervous system through whatever practice works, because I think it's going to be different for every person. Reiki has really worked for me. It might be different for someone else, but mm. I see this as a fundamental self of leaders today to manage their energy, manage mm. their nervous system so that they can show up fully. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Really, it's all about, there's a great book by Tony Schwartz about uh, managing energy, not time. And, uh, you know, one one question is, you know, a lot of the audience, you know, physicians, they're, they have this continuum, introversion, extroversion, you know, some empaths, intuitives. Is Reiki only work for introverts and intuitives and empaths or can, you know, extroverts use Reiki kind of the concepts to apply it, their energy, energetic practices into their leadership styles? I think the extroverts can use it too. I, I think we all have a unique gift to offer and there, there may be different styles of leadership here where you have the healing leader on the team like that that anchor who is just always so calm and and is kind of the anchor of that collective nervous system maybe that is someone who's more introverted or more empathetic and and that's beautiful and th- this is one reason why i see the diversific shared leadership models really being a space that i see growing in the next 10 years where it's not so much the say the CEO, where so much of the leadership falls, you can actually have a team. And and not that we don't have executive teams, we do, but there's only so much that one person can provide in their unique gifts before they start stretching outside of the scope of, of what it is they're best in the world at. But if you can find people where you're maybe pairing an introvert and an extrovert and the unique mm. gifts that each one of them have. Now you have, now you're forming an us too, as, as we hear in indigenous knowledge systems, this, this term us too, where mm. together we are actually our own entity, our own unit, and mm. we can function at, as, as this, and then kind of build out from there. So, so yes, extroverts can absolutely learn a practice like Reiki or other energy management techniques. And I think, I think these are really valuable for anyone who's human because we all have nervous systems that, that get triggered and we need something to bring us back to ourselves. But I also think there's something beautiful in having diversity of these archetypes, these leadership archetypes sitting, sitting at the leadership level. So that we mm. can we can share this, we can combine our gifts in bigger ways. Mm. Yeah, I love that. As we, I really love this uh, idea of applying Eastern with 
kind of the Western philosophy, healing the work trauma, this toxic work culture, you know, kind of, kind of a couple of final thoughts is, you know, what is the lead, what is the future of leadership? And also, you know, if somebody wanted to go study these, uh, these leadership styles, which companies uh, embody, embody this sort of style? Is it, you know, the fan companies? Is it, you know, tell us more? Yeah. So I think the leadership, leadership of the future, I think where it's going is that leaders today and moving forward have to be purpose-driven. They have to mm. be exceptional in their executive faculty. They are acting as not only the leader of a business and the and having to account for the fiduciary responsibilities that come with that and creating profit, but alongside of that, they also are environmental stewards and needing to have that long-term view. They are needing to be more attuned to the global stage to have a have the foresight for different political unrest, social justice issues. I mean, there's just so much that a leader is being asked to be these days that it can be overwhelming. And it honestly requires a different skill set. It requires this long term patterns thinking. It requires more empathy, more intuition, a higher degree of sense making capabilities. And I think AI is only going to help us to mm. really expand what is possible there. I think I think even even more than all of that, to be a conscious leader that is deeply attuned to themselves, their value set and their context so that they can have the those sentient feedback loops, just like nature, like when nature prototypes and learns and mm. evolves, it creates as many iterative feedback loops as it possibly can, because it's constantly prototyping. Our context is always evolving and mm. our, our ability to survive or fit, be a fit to that context really depends on our ability to adapt. So there's there's this quality of adaptation that simply is not possible in today's complexity mm -hmm. if we are not sentient and if we are not clear and spacious enough within ourselves to notice, like to mm -hmm. notice this valuable information and to be able to read our context, whether we're reading the room and the people in it, or we're, we're reading how the political landscape is shifting or how the desires of our customer is shifting. Like we have to be attuned to so much it mm -hmm. takes so much intuition and it takes a deep leadership practice. So when I think of the, the players out there who are doing an exceptional job of bringing this conscious leadership content and these different practices forward, I think of the Conscious Leadership Group or the Conscious Leadership Institute. They have both a for-profit and a, an educational arm. Uh, they have exceptional practices that we used in the Techstars Accelerator program when I used to work inside of that. The executive program that I am on the teaching team for at Harvard University is called the Executive Education for Sustainability Leadership program at Harvard University. And that is mind-blowing in this space. We get into biomimicry and we have modules on how to harness the genius of nature in how we do leadership. We have indigenous faculty who bring in a lot of indigenous knowledge systems into the space and help us deprogram that Western mind that has set a control over us so that we can get out of some of these more controlling and extractive patterns that we see mm -hmm. in our business culture. Mm -hmm. um, so those are just two, but I, yeah. And I also invite anyone to check out livingleaders.org where I'm, I'm trying to put this type of content as frequently as I possibly can, because I, I think the world is hungry for this and and we're evolving, right? We're really evolving into a new way of doing business and a new way of leading.
Mm. Yeah, I love that. What a fantastic way to end the show. How can people contact you, follow you, check you out, social media? And I know you have a podcast as well. I do, yes. So I have a podcast called Living Leaders, and that's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Livingleaders.org is the nonprofit with lots of educational material on conscious and regenerative leadership. Um, a lot of free stuff in the resource library over there as well. Um, I'm on YouTube under Nicole Bell Isle and Living Leaders. I'm on Instagram and TikTok. And so those are going to be the best places to to come hang out and and come check out this whole world of conscious regenerative leadership. Yeah. The whole ecosystem. Yeah, definitely for all the listeners out there, all the all of Nicole's resources will be in the links and show notes. And thanks so much for coming on and having a wonderful discussion, enlightening discussion on um leadership, conscious intentionality and design living and with that thanks so much for coming on to the podcast thank you dr lu this was wonderful thanks for having me many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week